So as I said, the new series we're going into, it's titled, We Are His Body. Can you say this with me? We are are His Body. All right, so yes, we are somebody, but even greater than you just being a somebody, we are his body. Now, I can't just say I am his body. Yes, I am a part of his body, but we are his body. Look around the room. You all need each other, white, black, young, old, Hispanic, whatever you you may be. We need each other because we are now the body of Christ. So it's time out for us focusing on our individual salvation, our individual lives, and know that God has formed us as his body so that we might serve each other well and that we might go out and tell others about Jesus Christ that don't yet know him. So the, ser- the sermon is We Are His Body. That's a sermon series. And the sermon title today is Made for More. Can you say this with me? We were made, we're made. for more. I want you to know that as awesome as worship was and as good as God's word is about to be, we were made for more. We were made for more than just coming in this building on Sundays and singing songs and sitting on soft chairs and listening to a sermon. We were made for more because we can do all that without Jesus dying on the cross. That can just be religious activity, okay? Because they gathered before he died on the cross. They sang before he died on the cross. They listened to messages before he died on the cross. So he died on the cross, not so that we can continue religion, but so that we can have a relationship with God like none other. So that we can be connected to God in a way that Adam never was. You see, Adam was only a living soul, but Jesus Christ, the second Adam, he was a living spirit. And when you join forces with Jesus Christ and he shares his spirit with you, you become a totally new creation. You become a part of Jesus Christ himself and you are not alone. There is a we. So that's the focus now. We are the body of Christ. There's too many people not getting along. There's too many people not working together, but still claiming to be Christians and full of the Holy Spirit. And there's no we to them at all. That stops. It stops and it stops now. We're going to recognize that we need our brothers and sisters. Just like my body needs a foot and a hand, okay? Just like this. Like, if I walked on my hands all day, that would be weird and awkward and I would grow tired because this body needs its feet. Look around the room again. Look at people, okay? Start looking at them. This uncomfortable feeling about looking at each other and knowing each other has to go away because you need to love each other because you need each other, all right? When I take a shower, I don't fail to wash every part of my body. I don't neglect any of it, right? Because I need all of it to be clean. You need your brothers and sisters. So if there's any division, if there's any kind of anything between any of you, it has to go. It is no longer welcome in this church because it's not Welcome in the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We. So it's not about you being well. It's about the whole body being well. Amen. Amen. So as we look back at the miraculous life of Jesus, we see Satan powerless, death defeated, blind eyes open and the oppressed set free. But the question I have for us today is this. Do we see this happening abundantly in the lives of those who say they're his today? Man, when you read the Bible and you read about Jesus Christ and all the miraculous things he did, raising the dead and opening blind eyes and setting the demonically possessed uh, free, do you see that still happening in large in those who say that they belong to Jesus Christ today? And I say, no. I say we say that we are Christians because we believed on Jesus Christ, but there is more to it. It doesn't just stop there at salvation. There must be a work of God that happens in the believer because we have joined ourselves to Jesus Christ. So it should look like it and we should have some of the same experiences. If the power of God lives on the inside of us, then everything we saw Jesus do, we should be able to do. Do we understand that? 
I need a louder amen. amen. I don't need amens for me to, to know that it's true because it's true without your amen. I need you to say amen so that you know it's true so you can hear yourself say amen because your Bible says that as Jesus was in this world, so are we. Do you believe that? Say yes. yes. Powerful. If every church believed that, if every believer really believed that, this world would not be in the condition it is right now. If Jesus, all by himself, with 12 disciples, could turn the world upside down, there's millions of people that say they're Christians today, so why doesn't the world look different? It's because many of us have stopped and grown comfortable with just salvation. I'm not going to hell. I'm good. There's so much more than that. And today's message is entitled Made for More. So what is the climate change we should expect from this new series? That we should move from a me-centered Christianity to a we-centered Christianity to receive the revelation that no single person could ever represent the ministry of Jesus Christ except Jesus Christ. So he chose to use us all. Say this with me. He chose to use us all. We are the body of Christ. Okay, you can stop. Listen to me. We are the most powerful organization on the face of the planet. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the ones in whom Christ lives. We are not religious organizations. We're not just a religious people. The power of God truly is on the inside of us, and we can make a difference in this world if we would only believe. The reason we don't see things happening as Jesus uh, displayed to us is because the things that the same thing he told the disciples, O ye of little faith. Lord, I pray now in Jesus' name that this word would begin to instill in us an end time faith. A faith to be able to believe that the same spirit that lived in Jesus Christ while he performed miracles and when he was raised from the dead lives on the inside of us. That we no longer belong to ourselves, that we belong to God. And we are no longer powered by sin, but we're powered by the spirit of God himself. And that means things should happen around us that are miraculous. So God... I thank you that you're moving your church from being satisfied from singing and sermons and watching online to actually being the body of Christ together and impacting this world for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to read this to you. This is by St. Teresa of Avila. And listen to what she said. Christ has no body but yours, no hands no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands which, which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Say this with me. We are, we are. the body, body of Christ. Because listen, my hand doesn't do everything for this body. My foot doesn't do everything for this body. So that's why this body that you see before you has many members. And it's the same thing with Christ's body. Christ's body has many members, okay? Every single one of us play a part in the ministry of Jesus Christ on this earth, and nobody does it all, especially your pastor. That's why pastors get tired. 
because the church thinks that the pastor is the body of Christ and he's supposed to be doing everything or they're supposed to be doing everything. We think the children's workers that are down there now, that they're the body of Christ. We think the teenagers that are up there now or the kitchen workers or the ones that go to the prison, they're the body of Christ. No, we are the body of Christ. That means everybody in this church should be doing something. You should be actively involved in some type of ministry in this church because we are not here just to sing or listen to sermons or sit on pews. We are the body of Christ. Amen. God, I I feel like some of this message is going to get me in trouble and people are going to be mad at me. Should I? Is that okay, Lord? Okay. All right. Let's keep moving. Uh, You might want to wear steel steel toe boots for the rest of the series because he might be stepping on some feet. Mine included, all right? All right, we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 17, verse 4. The revelation, well, let me show you this first. Uh, The church, we have eight key principles here, foundations that God uh, allows me to teach his body through. We teach about love. We teach about identity in Christ. We teach about faith and eternal purpose. That spells life. Uh, After we receive the life of God, we have something to do. And that something to do is we live in his rest, And everything that he's already done for us. So the revelation of God, his empowerment, his strategy, and his triumph. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He did it all. So now we just have to live by faith in what he did. Do you hear me? Don't wear yourselves out in this life. Just have faith that he's already done it all. And all we have to do is trust him. Well, where's the Bible say that? The just shall live by faith. Amen. So the revelation of this message that we are the body of Christ and that we are made for more. The revelation statement is this. God's desire is to bring nations out of living sacrifices. He desires that we be fruitful and multiply. So within uh, a, a sacrifice to God, there are more than just the sacrifice. The sacrifice can be multiplied. And we see the first example of this in Genesis 17, verse 4. This is God's promise to Abraham, the one who could not have babies with his wife the entirety of his life almost until he was 99 years old. And here's what it says. This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. So God promised Abraham that within him was an entire nations of people. Let's move on now to Genesis chapter 22, verse 12. So we see here it says this. Abraham had taken his son, his only son, his only begotten son up to a mountain. And God asked him to sacrifice this son. Okay, and this was not a baby. This was a a young man because they had a conversation on the way up. So he's not carrying a little baby as was depicted or some of us may believe. But this was a, a, a young man strong enough to carry wood and everything else. Okay, and he's asking God, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham tells him that, you know, the Lord will provide. So in Genesis 22 and 12, we see this. It says, don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. So what do we learn here? Number one, God tested Abraham to see if humanity had the capacity to reverence, fear, love, obey him with an ultimate sacrifice. A son was the one thing Abraham wanted the most, but yet he was willing to serve or worship God more. Think about that. Abraham was giving the best thing that God had ever given him back to him. And I'm here to tell you that the best thing that God ever gave you that he wants you to give back to him is you. He gave you life. The best thing you own right now is life. And so God is asking for us to give that life back to him. And we see that in Romans uh, chapter uh, 12, I believe, verse 1. So our here's another thing that we can learn. Our absolute faith in God gives us both his righteousness and his servants become friends. So when you give God the best of you, 
And when you trust on him for salvation, there's two things that happens. Number one, you receive his righteousness. And number two, he's able to call you a friend. And we see that in James chapter 2, verse 23. And it says this. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Say this with me. I am a friend of God. We become friends of God when we become servants of God, willing to sacrifice our best for him. And there's no friend like God. I've got some friends or I had some friends in my life that I thought were my best friends. But during the time of my kidney failure and I'm in the hospital dying, I didn't see any of their faces. But the Lord was there because the Lord is a friend among friends. Amen. Amen. So one body was sacrificed and planted so that many bodies would come alive. I'll say it again. One body was sacrificed and planted so that many bodies would come alive. Let's go to John chapter 12, verses 20 through 26. We're going to learn about this. It says this, Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. So here we have servants of the Lord. And people are coming to them and saying, I want to meet Jesus. My prayer for you is that you would understand that you are also servants of the Lord. And people should have an expectation and ability, excuse me, to come to you when they want to meet Jesus. Verse 23, Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, It remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for this life, their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the father will honor anyone who serves me. Verse 23, we see Jesus referred to himself as the son of man. And this is the reference to his humanity because the Bible says that the word became flesh. So yes, Jesus was God, but he was man as well. Verse 24, the truth was that Jesus never came to be the only man of God, but that his life was a sacrifice to be planted to produce a nation of supernatural servants. So God came from heaven as Jesus, and Jesus became a servant of God doing supernatural things, okay? But the purpose of Jesus Christ coming to this world was not that he could be so that he could be the only supernatural servant, that he could be the only man born of God. The purpose in Jesus Christ coming was to redeem us, but to also create a nation of supernatural servants. It's fun to say. Say this with me. I am am. a supernatural supernatural servant of God. God. Praise the Lord. Yes, you are. I agree with you. You are supernatural servants of God because he has placed his Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So that's why I'm trying to tell you that you were made for more. You were made for so much more than just to go to work every day and put in your eight hours and go home and have a nice house and a car. You you don't need Jesus for that. It's time for the church to begin doing things that we can only do with Jesus. That's what makes you supernatural. So that when you encounter someone who is sick, you can do something that Jesus did supernaturally and you can pray for them. I want you to start reading your Bibles and knowing that the life of Jesus Christ, this is good right here, the life of Jesus Christ is your resume. That everything you saw Jesus doing, you are able to do for the glory of God. You got to believe that. Listen to me. You're not just church people. You're not just church members. 
You're not just people that come and listen to sermons and sing songs. You're the actual body of Christ. But without us having the faith to believe and following his pattern, we won't see those things happen. What else do we learn in this passage? We learn that unrighteous self-love brings death, but righteous love secures eternal life. He tells us that in verse 25. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. But those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. So we've been given, as I point to this sign many times, we've been given life, right? We've given love, identity, and we've been given given faith for our eternal purpose. Can you say eternal purpose? So many say, well, I don't know what my purpose is. What's my purpose? What's my purpose? I'm going to tell every single one of you what your purpose is. You ready? Say this with me. My purpose purpose is service. service. Not to come to service, but, but do that too. But to serve God, serve the body of Christ, and serve others. Well, how am I going to do that? Because you're full of love, and you're full of a new identity, and you're full of faith, and now you can achieve your eternal purpose, which is service. You see, prideful Christians don't make good Christians because prideful Christians just want to be served. They don't want to serve anybody. I see in my Bible Jesus Christ washing feet, washing dirty feet, right? But we can't even say hello to people. Mmm, prideful. We got to get rid of it. Okay, we're servants of the most high God. Our purpose is service. Before you became a Christian, your purpose was sin. We were sinners. That's exactly what you did, and you did it well. I I never even had to teach my kids how to sin, but they do it. I have never gave them a sin lesson, not one time, but they do it. Why? Because we're born into sin. And we serve sin because sin is our master until we become born again and get a new master. Can you say master? Master. So is Jesus Christ your Lord and master? So that means that you're his servant. So as his servant, then we must know that we are here to serve. Okay, that's why we are here. And how do we know that it's eternal? Revelations 22 and 3 says this. This talks about heaven and the new earth. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. So do you see that? That even in the new kingdom, we're still servants, and we still worship him? So our eternal purpose is service. we got to get this through our heads, because it's been about us too long. That's why churches are dying, and that's why we don't have the power that we need to have. Say this with me. My eternal purpose... In Christ Christ. is service. service. Okay? We got to get that through our heads. We got to push out all this junk of the prosperity gospel, and it's about me and about me only, and as long as I'm good, that's okay. No, no, no. If my toe hurts, okay, if my toe gets... Anybody ever hit their pinky toe on something before? Isn't your whole body affected? So when your pinky toe gets hurt, your stomach might be hungry, but your hands are not concerned with making a sandwich at that time. Your hands are concerned with going down to this toe and providing some relief for it, right? So in the body of Christ, when one of us hurts, the whole body should be affected to say, you know what? It's not about me right now. My brother just lost his father or my my sister just lost her job or there's something going on over here. And the whole body comes together to that one area that's hurt because it's no longer about me, but it's about we because we are the body of Christ. And the only way to accomplish that is to give your whole self up to him. You can't live for you anymore. Servants don't live for themselves anymore. They live for their master, right? So when Jesus saved you, maybe this is our problem, okay? We love Jesus Savior, but do we love Jesus Lord? And and the way to love Jesus Lord is he says this, 
If you love me as Lord, obey my commandments. See, we want it. We want we just want God to serve us. But that's not why we were made. God didn't make us so that that he could serve us. He's going to be good to us already because he loves us. But we were made to serve God. Say this with me. I was made made to serve serve the Lord. Lord. All right. Are we getting this? I'll tell you what's happening right now and why it's moving kind of slow. Because we're experiencing climate change. We're going from self-centered Christian perspective to from a me to a we. And when you go from a me to a we, it's really hard. I tell you what, I tell you what, I tell you what. Those of you that have brothers and sisters, and let's just say somebody from the neighborhood is messing with your little brother or little sister, they are in trouble with the entirety of the family. Am I right? You can't mess with my little brother and not be messing with me. Okay, and it's the same thing in the church. But this is what's so disgusting about the current church, that there can be gossip in a church and it just keep passing and passing and passing. And nobody stand up and say, hey, that's my brother or hey, that's my sister. You can't mess with them. That's not right. You need to repent. That's not love. That's not correct. We want to stay out of people's business. No, I'm telling you what. If we're the body of Christ, we respond as Christ would, right? Okay, let's keep going. Okay, I got to remember I'm teaching and not preaching so much this morning. So now we just went from the revelation of what the body of Christ is. So the revelation is that God desires to bring nations out of living sacrifices. So if we're a living sacrifice, then God desires that we serve a nation and and also that we bring forth a nation out of us as well. So then what is the empowerment then? What is the empowerment of this new message uh, that we are his body? Here's the empowerment statement. We have been given the Holy Spirit so that the body of Christ can duplicate and overtake the works he did. So the Holy Spirit is not just to give you tingly feelings. The Holy Spirit is not just to amplify your worship. The Holy Spirit is not just for many of the things that we claim. The Holy Spirit is not to help you answer questions on Family Feud. The Holy Spirit has a holy job, a powerful job. And his job is this. We have been given the Holy Spirit so that the body of Christ can duplicate and overtake the works that he did. So duplicate and replicate. We're going to John 14, 12, and it says this. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Church, can you say greater works? Because I am going to be with the Father. That's a Jesus statement, okay? And it's truth. And the only thing missing, like we said at the beginning, is belief and faith. Remember, Jesus says this, anyone who believes in me, believes in me, will do the same works I have done and even greater works. So when we look at the Bible and the works that he performed and we look at the church today, do we see a duplication and replication of the Jesus of the Bible? And I'm here to say not for a large, not a large part, but that changes today. It changes today because we're going to believe on Jesus Christ. And when we believe on Jesus Christ, the same power that he walked with is shared with us and we're able to make a difference in this world. It's absolutely insane for the government to have so much power even over the church when the Bible says that the government shall sit upon his shoulders, right? So we have more power than the government should have. I'm not telling you to be tyrannical. I'm not saying go burn something down. But one thing, the devil's kingdom. That's what we burn down. That's what our war is against. Our war is against evil in this world. And so God has empowered us to do that if we believe. Okay. All right. So 
The Holy Spirit has come so that we can duplicate and replicate the works of Jesus Christ. Jesus says that we will do not only the works that we've seen him do, but greater works. Church, can you say greater works? So you've got to be praying, Lord, the word says I will do greater works. And the greater, here's the reason for the greater. Because Jesus was singular, okay? Jesus was a me. And when he left, he made a we, right? A body of Christ. So that is why we should be able to, to do greater in number the amount of works that Jesus did because he multiplied himself. We are now the body of Christ. He can only be one place at a time, but now we or he is worldwide. So what did we have to do? We had to wait for power. We're talking about the Holy Spirit right now. He's the one that empowers the body of Christ. Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 say this. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So there's another thing that could be missing and the reasons that we don't see the miracles of Jesus Christ today, because have we been truly baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit? Listen to me. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit to fulfill his will. We have a kingdom assignment where kingdom power is needed. Can you say kingdom power? power. He said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are able to duplicate the mighty and miraculous works of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is not just for church services. I'm going to say it again. If the only time you experience a move of the Holy Spirit is here, then I question your filling with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just for church services. That should not be the only time you encounter the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is for kingdom services. Do you hear what I'm saying? So when you go about doing the works of God, you are a part of his kingdom because you're a part of the body of Christ. So you're going to need the Holy Spirit on board because in order to do kingdom work, you need kingdom power. And that power is the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 and 8. But you will receive power. What what will you receive? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So there's another thing. See, Jesus told people about himself everywhere. The disciples told people about Jesus. But why are we so quiet about Jesus? One thing that could be missing we, we, we distinguished one problem was not enough faith. And the second problem is not being filled with his spirit. I, I, I've seen a lot of us be filled with some things recently. All right. When they talk about vaccines, we get filled with rage or you get filled with hope. When they talk about politics, when they talk about Trump, some of you get filled with anger. When they talk about Biden, other of you, others of you get filled with anger. All right. We get filled a lot of times with many things. Some of us this week got filled with anger, filled with lust, filled with pride. So the problem is we're filled. But what are we filled with? That's why we don't see the miracles, because we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And that needs to be our direct prayer to the Father every day. Lord, fill me with your spirit, because a man that is filled with the Holy Spirit is able to do exactly what Jesus did. Every morning, brothers and sisters, before you fill that cup of coffee or fill that plate with sausage gravy, which sounds so good right now. Make sure the number one thing that you are filled with every single day, if you want to have a life that is that glorifies God, if you want to get through the day and keep Christ in the forefront, if you're tired of breaking down in anger, if you're tired of breaking down in despair, then you need to make sure the first thing in the morning you fill up with the Holy Spirit and you say, Lord, just fill me with your spirit today because I cannot live a life that glorifies you without your 
your spirit. The reason Christians fall so many times is because we try to live a kingdom life on our own. We don't even use the gift. The gift is the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's power is supposed to make us witnesses, not only verbal witnesses, but that our life would be a witness as it is read of men daily. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to carry on the ministry of Jesus Christ in our body. Say this with me. Through the Holy Spirit, I am able to carry out the ministry of Jesus Christ in this body. And in this body. That's why God, man, that's what church is about. Church is not about anything else except that. That the spirit of Jesus Christ is upon us. The only reason we come here is, number one, we come because we got to be together. We got to fellowship. Fellowship is a commandment. The Bible says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves. It is a sin to not fellowship because God said do it. Number two reason we come here is to glorify God together. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So we come here and we worship our God together because we're like-minded in spirit and in truth. And the third reason we come here is so that you might be taught and empowered with the word of God for your ministry. That's why we come, to learn and be empowered for your own personal ministry as you go out there to serve. Because say this with me, my purpose purpose is service. So that's why you come here. You don't come here only to be served. The church will never grow if people come here only with the mindset of, I'm coming to be served. I'm not going to do a thing there except sit down and listen and be served. We can't grow beyond that because the church needs helpers, right? Why would he fill the balcony if everybody has the mindset, I'm just coming here for me? The balcony will be filled when we have the mindset that I am here to serve the Lord and my brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Climate change. Father, I declare now in the name of Jesus Christ that the prophecy about the the, uh, balcony being filled, let it be closer than it's ever been before as you change the hearts and minds of your people from me to we. And Lord, as we operate as the body of Christ, would you multiply our hands and feet, not so that we can have a bigger church service, but so that we can provide a larger kingdom service. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's keep it moving. All right. So 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So God has given us everything we need for living a godly life, all right? So then what has God given us? He's given us the gift of his Holy Spirit, and I'm going to tell you about those gifts right now. So here's what's on board in every Christian. Some of us have multiple of these gifts. Some of us have one or the other, many or few. It doesn't matter. Since God has called you into the purpose of service, then he needs to give you tools, Because what kind of worker has no tools? So if your purpose is service, you need some tools. And in the Bible, these tools are called gifts. All right. So here are some of your gifts. Second Corinthians four, five through seven. And you can come back and study these because I'm not going to break them down. I'm just going to go. And I'm just this is just the introduction to everything. I know I'm sweating in the introduction. But anyway, I just get excited sometimes. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 7 says this. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus sake. You see that servants for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Church, can you say great treasure? This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Say this with me. I have great power from God. So here's your power, all right? 
the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 say this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So the fruit of the Spirit, we should all have all the fruit because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and it's his fruit. So this is the fruit people should see in our lives. That's a gift that you have for service because how can you serve without love? How can you serve without joy or peace or patience, okay, or any of those things. The next power that we have on board because we have the Holy Spirit are the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 say this. Listen to this. I'm reading your resume. I'm reading your uh, owner's manual. Here's what's inside of you once you've been born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's where the power of God comes from you so that you can serve others. Listen to what you can do by the Spirit. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. What? The gift of healing? Some of us have that? Yes. Some of you have the gift where if someone is sick, you can be be motivated by God, all right, to go lay hands on a person or even pray for them, and they recover. Didn't Jesus do that? That's right. So some of us can do that as well by faith. Let's keep going. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. What? Humans performing miracles? No, the Holy Spirit performing miracles in the body of Christ who happens to be human right now. And another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. But guess what, folks? That's not all. There's some motivational gifts found in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. Listen to what else he gives us to serve. Say this with me. My purpose is service. So listen to all these tools he's given us. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Guess what? That's not it. There's even more. Here are the gifts that he's given to the church found in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teacher. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to sing and listen to sermons. No, not at all. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do what? His work, which is service, and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Let's give God praise for all those gifts. That's a lot of gifts there. So then what is our strategy? And uh, download the app because I'm not going to get to all this today. If you've got the app, uh, go to your app store, type in New Life Lima, and you can have the church app. And in the app are all my notes because I'm not going to hit everything today, okay? Because we're going to wrap this up right now. So what's the strategy then? Our strategy is that we do everything for the glory of God. This is a powerful statement. Can you say this with me? My body... No longer longer belongs to me. me. It's not for my pleasure. pleasure. My body body belongs to God. God. It's for his glory. glory. I'm going to let that marinate a little bit because that 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 moistened the ground of your faith to let you know that these bodies aren't for us anymore. They're not for self-pleasure. They're not for sin anymore. They're for his glory. So, uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, This is his body now. 
So we shouldn't be fornicating with these bodies. We shouldn't be getting drunk with these bodies. We shouldn't be doing, oh my goodness, to, to do that with the body of Jesus Christ. Like this is his body now, like he owns this body. Yes. So why should I join myself to a, I don't know if there's kids here or not, the women that sell themselves. Why would I do that? You know what I mean? Why would I sin with this body? Because this body doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to Jesus. Do you not know that? That when you're a Christian, you don't own your body anymore? That your body belongs to Christ, right? So we have to remember that. Like, I'm not going to make Jesus watch pornography. I'm not going to make Jesus get drunk. I'm not going to make Jesus get high because this is not his. This is not my body anymore. It's his body. I know this is tough to hear, but it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. My body was paid for with a high price. Jesus died on Calvary so that he could come and live in this body. Do you not know that your bodies are now the temples for the Holy Spirit? We've got sense enough to not do things in this building, but we'll still do them outside of this building, not knowing that this is the temple of God, not this brick and mortar. We are the temples of God. It's the truth anyhow. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Don't, you think it's just the pastor talking and trying to take away your fun. Listen. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your tongue. Is that what it says? No, but you do that too. But your body, amen? The quieter it gets, the more I know the Holy Spirit is doing his job. All right, let's continue. I'm skipping a whole lot, all right? But here is the final, the triumph of being the body of Christ, the triumph of the entire message that talks about how we were made for more, okay? What is the triumph of that? The triumph is recognition and resurrection. John 13, 34, and 35 says this, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So the triumph of being the body of Christ and doing it well is that the world will know that we are his from the way that we love each other. The final triumph is this. That for I have come, John 6, 38 through 40 says this, for now I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Man, that's good. That's what a servant says. Listen to what Jesus said. I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all, of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. So what is the triumph of being a part of the body of Christ? Number one, that through love, the world would recognize that we are his, that we are truly disciples of Jesus Christ and the spirit lives in us and they can tell by the way we love each other. So that's recognition. And the number, the number two thing is resurrection, that he will raise up his body and his bride. Church, can you stand? And I want you to say one final thing with me before I pray and dismiss you. And then finally invite up others who may be in need of prayer. This is the final statement. This is the final thing that we will say as we uh, arrive in a climate change, as we leave behind self-righteousness, as we leave behind self-centered Christianity and move into the body of Christ and how it functions and how we are to serve one another. Here is the statement of faith for this series. Please make this your declaration and say this with me. No longer I, but Christ. No longer me, but we. Again, no longer I, but Christ. 
no longer me, no longer me but, we. but we. One more time. No longer I, no longer I but, Christ. but Christ. No longer me, no longer me but, we. but we. Amen. Father, I thank you for this message, God, this introduction to the climate change that you're taking us to from a me-centered self to a we-centered body. Lord, I thank you for love exploding in this place, God. I thank you for peace exploding in this place. I pray now that we would not be just individual body parts that gather together but really have no true connection, but through foundation, fellowship, and function, we would come to know that we cannot individually accomplish the work of God. It takes a body. He is the head and we are the body. So Lord, as we each recognize your headship, then we will each get into position to be a member of your body, knowing that not one body part is greater than another. Just because I preach, it doesn't make me any more important than the part, the part of the body like Betty Musselman and Tammy Brown and all those that serve the homeless. They're still part of your body. Because in the end, you showed us a parable. You showed us where it said that when did we see you and feed you? When did we see you in prison and visit you? When did we clothe you? And you said, whatever you did for the least of these, you did unto me. We carry on the work of the ministry of Jesus Christ as a body. We are not just somebody. We are the body. And Lord, I thank you for changing the culture of this church, God, to not being what can I get from service, but what can I do for service? Lord, how can I serve you in this local church, this local assembly? And your word says, whatever your hands find to do, let them do them. Why would you ever say that, God? It's because we've got gifts on board. And if we see the problem, we've been gifted to fix it. So, Lord, I pray that none of us that attend this church would see a problem, but stop up our bowels of compassion and do nothing about it. This church does not exist to serve you. You exist to serve the church. So, Lord, I pray that this would explode among us, that we would connect and get to know each other more because we are better together. Lord, we bless you for this word. I pray for the body to be encouraged. As we leave this place today, I pray, Holy Spirit, that they would have a sense to say, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that I might do the work of God. Lord, we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.